Listen, this is just a little snapshot of what happens in our church. We've got a lot of things that go on. Sunday morning is just the tip of the iceberg, uh, from student ministry to children's ministry to uh, kids' ministry. We've got a lot of things that happen here, and we're very proud of what our workers do and uh, how they volunteer and, and, and have a lot to go. I told Dustin he's going to have about 20 kids graduate, but about four or five of them will show up on Sunday morning, so there's a lot more graduates that showed up this morning um, than, than they are actually here. Uh, and then this is a kind of a picture of what happens on Wednesday night from our children's uh, ministry that happens. Uh, Brandy and her, her kind of crew of ladies help dance with the dance team and teach them all these great songs, and then uh, we turn them loose in iKids, and um, when I get my boys back, they're a sweaty mess, and so I know they have a great time. Listen, if you've got your iPhone and you want to film me, feel free. There's been a lot of people filming already this morning. This is my good side. This is my bad side, okay? If you've got your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going to kind of clip through this. Uh, we're pretty much on time, so we've got time this morning. Uh, we've had a lot to do, but we don't want to miss this part, okay? We appreciate you being here and appreciate you being a part of this service, but um, let's, let's dive into what God's got for us. We started a new series a couple weeks ago called The Do-Over. A lot of us need a do-over, right? We, we kind of get to a point in our life where we feel like that how did I get here moment happens, right? We, we look up, we, we kind of assess what all's going on and, and where we are financially or where our marriages are or where our kids are or where we are in our job or in our life really in general and we just go, how did this happen? How did I get so far off track of what I wanted to do because we all have these aspirations and dreams, right? We all have these things that that this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. Moments. I was going to be a vet. I told this story in here a long time ago when Coco the wiener dog bit a hole through my thumb. I changed my mind. I was glad to see Coco in the refrigerator in a box the next day. She did not make it. God had a plan, right? I, I did not need to be a vet. But I think as we kind of roll through life we we get to moments where we just say how did i how did this happen i need i need to do this over again i need to do over our theme verse is on the screen it should say isaiah 43 just forget the former things do not dwell on the past see i am doing a new thing see god wants to do something new in your life he wants to do something brand new he's a creative god i love that's why i love this dance thing that we do because god is a is a creative god and he he doesn't just have one mode of expression of worship he has multiple modes he doesn't have just one thing that he wants to accomplish in your life he has multiple things he wants to accomplish and, and you may think i'm only good at one thing that's okay but God can, God can bring these new elements in, these new things, and He wants to do something brand new in your life. Last week, we, we, we kind of met differently, right? We were in the Family Life Center. We didn't have electricity. A lot of you didn't have electricity at your home, and that's okay. And so uh, this half of the building of our campus, for whatever reason, is on one, uh, one circuit, and the other half is on the other. So we had gym church last week, and it was great. I loved it. Uh, but we kind of took a little bit of a pause. We talked a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. But we've been looking at biblical characters who needed a do-over. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the woman at the well, remember, who, who had been married multiple times and who came and had this incredible interaction with Jesus at the well and, and who changed everything in her life, right? She went away, and the Bible, the Bible says that a lot of people came, and came to faith in Christ because of her testimony, because of what she said. 
Well, this morning we're going to kind of double dip, if that's okay. We're going to look at two stories in one. We're going to look at Jairus' story with his daughter, and then we're going to look at this woman that the Bible just labels as the bleeding woman. If you've got your Bible open to Mark chapter 5, turn to verse 21. This is where we're going to pick up, and then we're going to roll right on through this. Verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over to the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was beside the lake. That's the Sea of Galilee. It calls it a lake, but it's the Sea of Galilee. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Now, we don't know a lot about Jairus. We know that he is a uh, synagogue leader. He's, uh, he's, he's part of the, the council that's from the town of Copernicum. Copernicum is a city of about 1,500 people. It's a fishing community on the north shore of the the Sea of Galilee. So he's kind of from a smaller town. He's kind of a church guy, right? He, he, he just kind of knows a lot about uh, religion things. Verse 22, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Here's this man who was at the end of his rope, who had nothing else left to lose. My little daughter is dying. He needs Jesus to come, and he needs him to come quickly. Can you imagine what he must have felt in those moments? Maybe you've been there, right? Maybe, maybe it's been not a sick child, but maybe you've been at the end of your rope. Maybe you've been where there's not much hope left, where it seems like life has just kind of thrown you against the rocks over and over and over again, and you just don't know what else to do. God, I need some direction. I need some perspective. God, I just need, I need to feel you around me. I just need to feel something this is where Jairus, or Jairus is. So the Bible says in verse 24, Jesus went with him. I like that. Jesus went with him. And a large crowd followed and pressed around them. Can you imagine the scene? Jairus is trying to get back home. Because he knows when he gets home, everything's going to be better. But there's this crowd, right? There always seems to be this, this crowd. Wherever Jesus went, there was the crowd, right? People, people knew who he was, and they wanted to be around where he was. Some of them were, were there because they wanted something from him. Most of them were there just to see what was going to happen next. And so the Bible says that he gets off the boat, off the Sea of Galilee, and he gets back over to where he's going, and, and here comes Jairus, and, and then there's this crowd there. And they're trying to push through the crowd to get to Jairus' house. Can you imagine the anxiety that he feels in this moment? Like he's, he's excuse me, excuse me, I'm, I'm just trying to get home. Excuse me, excuse me, I'm, I'm trying to get through. He's trying to get to my daughter. Almost, almost like he's, hurry up Jesus, this way, hurry up. Have you ever felt like that? I was a communication major in, in my undergraduate degree, and it, they talked about the sender and the receiver of a message, Right? I can, I can say one thing and you can hear something else. And in between the sender and the receiver, there's this noise. 
And sometimes it's actual physical noise, right? You just can't hear what the other person's saying. Other times it's emotions that are coming behind what's actually verbally being said. I, I read through this and I just thought, this crowd, this is the noise in the situation. Jairus has a need. Jesus has the answer. But this crowd is the problem. And some of you get so lost in the crowd that you can't hear the answer anymore. Some of you get so pushed in by all the noise that's around you that you know your need, but you feel so swallowed by the crowd that you can't really, you can't even really connect that this person can actually fix your need. Verse 25. There was a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Guys, 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. See, in the crowd, there's this lady. Some of the historians I read through some stuff over the last few weeks, and, and, and some people call her Veronica. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how she got that name. But the Bible never gives her a name. He just tells her condition. I think that's interesting. Because the Bible's pretty important on names. If you read through even the New Testament, if you read through the first chapter of Matthew, you're going to get all these names. And most of the time we read these names and we just kind of skip over them because we just don't, well, number one, we don't know how to pronounce them. And number two, it doesn't really, we don't get it. We don't understand the, the meaning behind it. But when people's names are listed, it's important. You should read those names. This lady doesn't have a name. She has a condition. She doesn't have an identity. She has a problem. This lady was in desperate need of a do-over. In Leviticus chapter 11 through 15, it kind of gives these Old Testament laws of what happens when someone is unclean. Uh, how, how that kind of classifies them as social outcasts, how they have to act and how they have to respond to people, where they have to live. This lady's responsibility in a crowd, because of her disorder, because of her disease, had to announce to everyone wherever she went, Unclean! Unclean! Anytime she went through town, anytime she was around a crowd of people, she had to announce to everyone, I have a problem. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being for 12 years? The Bible here in Mark doesn't tell us whether she was announcing her presence or not. I think it's interesting. I'd like to know. But she's there. She suffered. She has an incurable disease afflicting a poor woman who gets worse and worse and worse. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. I love that. Can you imagine this kind of faith that it took? 
For her to know that if I could just touch him, everything is going to be okay. I will be better. I'll be healed. See, listen, the two people in the story, Jairus and Jairus and, and, and this bleeding woman, both had one thing in common. They both went to the same person for healing. Listen, if you want a do-over, you're not going to find a do-over in a bottle. You're not going to find it in a gym membership. You're not going to find it in a self-help section of Barnes & Noble. You're not going to find it in some kind of extra relationship. You're not going to find a do-over in all these extra things that we do. If you need a do-over, you find Jesus. He is the one that gives the do-over to those who need it. Both Jairus and this woman, what did they do? They both sought out the man that they knew could fix their issue. Listen, church, we've got a lot of people who try to fix their issues with a lot of different things. Sometimes it's prescription medicine. Sometimes it's alcohol. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's just attention. The only person who can give you that do-over, who can really heal what's wrong, who can really touch the issue, is Jesus. They both run to Him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. First Peter five seven. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. You can trust Him. So look what happened. Verse thirty. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from Him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, "Who touched my clothes?" The disciples answered, You see the people crowding around you, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Underline that word, the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." There's two things I want to pull from this. Uh, one is this whole idea of the whole truth. I think this is incredibly interesting that it uses this classification. It could have just said she came to him and told him her story. Or she came to him and told him the truth. But it says she told him the whole truth. Sometimes when we get in a position in life where we need a do-over, we sugarcoat things, right? We... We kind of tell the, the not-so-bad stories of where we are and why we ended where we ended. We tell the, the parts that are kind of socially acceptable. You think that's what she did with Jesus? Jesus, I'm bleeding, and um, I, I just needed to touch you, and uh, I'm, I'm, I've been sick for a long time. Or do you think she told him the whole truth? I'm desperate. I'm lonely. I'm broke. I have nothing else. I needed something. I needed you. I believed you could make me better. I'm sorry. 
I'm better now. I had nothing left to lose. You were my only hope. That's the whole truth. There was no sugarcoating in that, right? And, and what we do is when we get to a point in our life, we go, well, I mean, I made some mistakes or I made some poor decisions when really we need to have the whole truth moment with God. And we say, you know what, God, I, I messed up. I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And I've, I've basically just run your name in the ground and I, I didn't care who I hurt and I didn't care if I hurt my family. I didn't care if I lost my kids I didn't care if I lost my wife or my husband I didn't care I just I was selfish and it was about me and it wasn't about anybody else it wasn't about you at all that's the whole truth sometimes to have a do-over you got to have the whole truth the second thing that I want you to see is this idea of suffering we talked about this last week this has been man I if I try not to fixate on things, but I do. Like, I just do. And Jessica's like nodding her head right now, right? I just do. But I've been fixated on this for the last three weeks. This idea of what suffering does and why, why people have to suffer. Why good people have to suffer. We, we talked about this last week in, in the Family Life Center. We talked about Job, right? And the story of Job and how he was the righteous man. The Bible said there was no one on earth like Job. But yet, who's the one person that God calls out to say, see what happens to him if you push him a little bit? He calls out Job. And so he says to her, be freed from your suffering. And, and I go, well, why does she even have to suffer to begin with? What's the point of the suffering? And we said last week, we just basically said that suffering is really producing something in us. That really there's this idea of testing that accompanies the idea of suffering. That when we are suffering, that really God's testing what we're made of. We talked about it on Wednesday night in our adult Bible study. Mr. Charles O'Neill says, kind of see what kind of metal you're made of. I said, that's exactly it. Because when we, when we are suffered, when we're impressed in, there's something that God's wanting to produce in our life. Write down in your notes Romans, 5, 8, or Romans chapter 5, verse 2 through 5. Romans 5, 2 says this, We boast... In the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame. See, that's what happened with this woman. She had been suffering for so long that she had hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Some of you, when you've been pressed in, you don't quite understand why. I'm telling you, and like I told you last Sunday, to look for a different perspective through your suffering. This woman who had nothing left, all she had was hope. She had hope of a do-over. She had hope of a second chance. God wants to develop something in you. He said, your faith has healed you. Be free from your suffering. That's incredible. Incredible for this woman, but not for Jairus. Look at verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, 
some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? This girl. Like we almost forgot about her, right? That was the whole catalyst of the story. That's when the crowd pressed in, and then this woman kind of distracted Jesus. And you've got to think, the whole time Jairus is going, we don't have time for this. We've got to go. And Jesus says, it's okay. I've got time. These men come up after this incredible healing moment and this, this blatant, like just, just honest, whole truth moment with this lady. And the men come up just in this perfect timing to say, she's dead. Don't bother him anymore. Let him do. Let him, let him go wherever else he's going to go. Jairus' world just dropped. And I love verse 36. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Listen, if you could get anything out of this morning... Like if you could write it down or write it on your kid's forehead so you could read it every 10 minutes. Don't be afraid. Just believe. What an incredible statement to this man who, who you know every fiber of him just fell. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. That word, that Greek word, ignoring what they said, is perkuo. And, and it just means it, refusing to hear. Isn't that great? It's like these guys come up and Jesus is like, I ain't got time for that. Right? He's, I'm not even listening to you. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Listen, some of us need to ignore what they say and listen to what Jesus says. I mean, we got a lot of people in our ear a lot, right? Everybody has an opinion about everything. Everybody has an opinion about everything. Especially when something bad happens, or when something crazy happens in your life. Ignoring what they said. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Verse 37 through 40 kind of tells us the story about how Jesus didn't let anybody go in with them. It was just Jesus and, and Jairus and Peter, James, and John, the three kind of in, in inner circle disciples. And they, they go to, to Jairus' house, and um, there's people there. And, and in, this, in this time period, they would have essentially professional mourners, professional wailers. Uh, they would have these women who would come to your house if someone died and they would, and they would cry loudly, uh, just very oh, kind of over the top because they believed that if the louder you cried, the more that God would be able to hear how sorry for, you were for the death of the person who was there. And so they would, they would literally they would pay people to come and, and wail for them, which is kind of a weird thought. And so Jesus comes in with, with Jairus and with uh, Peter, James, and John, and, and he, he says... Um, what are y'all doing? Like, why, why are you doing this? This, this, kid's, this child's not dead. And the Bible says that they laughed at him. And then the very next thing we read, verse 40, after he put them all out. And I just think, whoo, I'd love to see that, right? I wonder what that was like. Jesus says, I'm sure it wasn't very polite. Well, I'm sure it was very polite. It's Jesus, right? Very politely, get out. 
right? But he puts them out. I'd love to see that happen. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went to the, where the child was. He took her by the hand, and he said, Talithia, kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. See, the first time I read through this story, I thought, okay, God, we're, we're, we're pulling in some people who need a do-over. Obviously, this little girl needed a do-over, right? There was, there was a moment where she needed, she needed something fresh. She needed something new. She needed the breath of God, but it wasn't the little girl. It was Jairus. The little girl didn't need a do-over. Jairus' faith did. Jairus' hope did. There's a little bit of parallel here that's interesting. The girl was 12 years old. The woman had been bleeding for 12 years. The woman's faith healed her. And Jairus' faith was tested. See, this idea of a do-over can come in a couple of different ways. So which is it for you? Are you the... Are you the bleeding woman who has zero to lose? Who has been afflicted with something for so long and you feel like you've just been suffering through? Or are you Jairus? Whose faith needs to be strengthened? Who needs to ignore what others are saying and stop being afraid and believing and the man who can give you the do-over. Hey, this is Matt Overall. I'm the pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Just want to say thanks so much for watching our services, whether through our television ministry or our online ministry. We appreciate you so much being a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd love to have you come and join our worship service. Uh, Sunday morning service starts at 10.30. Our small groups start at 9.30. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. We've got a lot of different ministries that happen at Emmanuel, from our children and youth that's focused on Wednesday nights to our uh, women's Bible studies that happen throughout the week. We'd love to have you be a part of everything that's going on here at Emmanuel. Thanks for watching.